This edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast is dedicated to the memories of Rocky Johnson, who passed away at 74, and Triple A's La Parca, who passed away this week at the age of 54. It's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Someone to cure my sorrow It's taking over me And I can't feel her breathe This hate is so contagious Sometimes I cannot take it Hello once again wrestling fans This is Scumbags Wrestling Podcast my name is Sean, I'm coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada, and I'd like to thank you for joining me each and every week on this podcast, whether you listen to me on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or iTunes. Your support is greatly appreciated. Please send me a line to let me know where you're listening to me from. You can contact me on our Facebook page, Scumbags Wrestling, the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast page, or even by email at scumbagswrestling at gmail.com. I'd also like to invite you to join me on all my other projects that I have going on, such as the production line on YouTube and Facebook. Stop by the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory and check out the Stars of Tomorrow being built today. Plus, you can always catch up on the goings-on of the independent wrestling circuit, where you can find out dates and cards for everything independent wrestling in Ontario by joining me on the Ontario Indie Road Trip. That happens on YouTube and Facebook as well. Plus, every Thursday night, Chris Maloney and I get together and we invite you to join us for Thursday Night Throwdown, happening live on Facebook and YouTube every Thursday night at 8pm. On this week's episode, we're going to set you up for all the action happening in Ontario. Look back at Impact Wrestling's Hard to Kill. Look forward to NWA with their Hard Times event. And also then looking at everything WWE, including the results from the UK pay-per-view last week in Blackpool for NXT. And setting up for next weekend's Royal Rumble and Worlds Collide events. I'll be right back after these short messages. Shock Stock 2020 is New Earth's biggest pop culture expo and film festival. The real end is near as the outside world falls into chaos. Word of a sanctuary for mutants, freaks, goblins, and geeks spread throughout the land. Three days of thrills and chills with screenings, panels, celebrities, workshops, interactive fun, vendors, all-nighter parties, and more. Stay tuned for guest announcements and more info. Are you looking to get into the wrestling business? Well, look no further than the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory, located right here in London, Ontario. It's Tyson has over 20 years of experience in the wrestling world, and he's even been brought down to the WWE Performance Center to be a guest trainer. We've already seen the likes of Jordan James, 
Kyle Boone, Violet Lee, Jim Strider, Pharaoh Bowman, Chris Mitchells, and many more. Plus, the new generation that are coming from the second group, such as Josh Pine, Shiloh, Nova, Frankie War, and many more. You don't want to miss your opportunity to learn from one of the best in Ontario, if not all of Canada, or the world, in Tyson Dukes. So that's the Tyson Dukes Rust Factory. It's open Monday, Wednesday, and Thursdays, and located at 309 Exeter Road here in London. Hi, I'm the Fireball Kid, Jordan James, and this is the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. Welcome back to this week's show. As usual, we check in with the goings-on at Smash Wrestling, and we're going to start adding Midwestern Wrestling to our mainstay of shows that we'll look at before heading to the Ontario Indie Road Trip. Smash Wrestling brings great wrestling action to Fanshawe College on Friday, February 7th, for new beginnings, you'll see Josh Pine taking on Psycho Mike Rollins. The last time these two saw each other, Josh Pine had to rescue Psycho Mike from drowning in a kiddie pool. One half of the revolt, Jordan James faces off against one of the pillars, the endorsement, Sebastian Suave. The other half of the revolt tag team, Alec Realm, faces off with another pillar in Mr. Punch Kick Chop, Tarek. Kevin Bennett defends the Smash Wrestling Championship against Brent Money Banks. And in a Falls Count Anywhere match for a number one contendership to the Smash Championship at any given Sunday 8 in Toronto, the war between Tyson Dukes and the King of the North, Carter Mason, comes to a head. They'll face off against each other to be that number one contender who will challenge Kevin Bennett for the title at any given Sunday. You'll have to show up at Fanshawe on February 7th, to find out. Then, Smash Wrestling returns home to Toronto after a lengthy time away on February 23rd. It'll be for any given Sunday 8 at the Rec Hall. Already signed for this card has the Triple Threat match featuring John Greed, CJ Crawford, and Sebastian Suave. Bear Country faces off against Main State Posse. Baywatch goes against the Philly and Marino experience. Psycho Mike Rollins faces off with Jody Threat. Speedball Mike Bailey goes one-on-one with Mr. Punch Kick Chop, Tarek. Rosemary will defend the Women's Championship against Feta Scott. And Kevin Bennett will put his Smash Wrestling Championship on the line against the winner of Carter Mason and Tyson Dukes from that match on February 7th. I have some general admission seats available if you'd like to join me on the road to Toronto. Contact me either by Facebook or email if you want to claim your seat on the road to any given Sunday, 8, on February 23rd in Toronto. Checking in with our good friends with Midwestern Wrestling, they've been busy making announcements recently, and the first one has them returning to Parkview Gardens in Listwell, Ontario, on Saturday, March 28th. After successfully bringing wrestling back to the Midwestern area, they're going to do it again. And since it is the end of March, 
March is going out roaring like a lion, and they're presenting their first ever Midwestern Wrestling Champion. It'll be a battle of the pillars as the machine, Tyson Dukes, takes on fellow pillar member, Mr. Punchkick Chop, Tarek. Who will be the first ever champion? You'll have to be there to find out. Also announced on the card is The Muscle, facing off against the Canadian buzzsaw, Corey Stone. Also, Psycho Mike Rollins will go one-on-one with the endorsement, Sebastian Suave. Many more matches will be announced over the next coming weeks. Also, Chris Maloney and I will be taking our shows on the road to Listowel to cover Midwestern Wrestling in the car, before the show, during the intermission, and after the final bell on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Be sure to join us if you're not coming along for the ride. Midwestern Wrestling also announced that as a reward to their loyal fans that follow them on social media, they're offering an advanced pre-sale until January 24th. Tickets are just 2 for $25. The special is available through e-transfer only, and regular prices will be in effect on the 24th. They suggest sending a message as soon as possible to secure your tickets now. Don't you dare miss it. Now let's check out all the other events happening as part of the Ontario Indie Road Trip, which you can catch on my Facebook page and YouTube channel each and every week, checking out the events happening all around Ontario. On January 24th, 365 Wrestling makes its Ontario debut in Kitchener, featuring two hardcore matches and Brody King versus Judas Icarus in the main event. And then on January 25th, 365 Wrestling heads to Guelph, CCC Moss against Holly Dead, Brody King taking on Eddie Osborne, and Josh Alexander versus Judas Icarus. Also happening on Saturday, January 25th, Battle Arts Rising Stars presents the Battle Arts Rumble, happening in Mississauga, Ontario. This was supposed to happen this weekend, but due to weather, they had to move it and reschedule. Be there to find out who wins the Rumble and becomes the new number one contender. Portertown Wrestling presents Lethal Lottery, happening in Fort Erie on Saturday, January 25th. Ben Hammond faces off against Mental Joe Pimentel. Tyler Turva and Tyson Dukes team together to take on the Night Train, Justin Sane, and Carter Mason. There's going to be a rematch for the tag team titles as the Factory, Jordan James, and Alec Realm challenge the Pillars, Brent Banks, and Sebastian Suave. It'll be title for title as Congo Kong faces off against Tarek. Plus, the main event will see a 20-person Rumble-style Lethal Lottery match. It all goes down Saturday, January 25th. Fort Erie, Ontario, Bordertown Wrestling. Also on January 25th, Barry Wrestling presents 2020 Visionaries in Barry, Ontario. Anton Alexia faces off against Junior Benito. BMD goes one-on-one with Gabriel Fuerza. Lionel Knight gets five minutes alone with Nug. Jody Threat faces off with Alexia Nicole. And Von Vertigo defends the Barry Wrestling Heavyweight title against Mark Wheeler. On Sunday, January 26th, Junction City Wrestling presents Destructor Rumble in Toronto. There'll be the Rumble match and many more matches coming up. We'll have more information in the coming 
week as I release all the information very shortly. And Pro Wrestling Eclipse has injustice for all. Jules Malone defends the PWE Flame Championship against April Jones and Tenu faces off with Cody Deaner. Looking ahead to finish off the month, there's more great wrestling action coming your way the week of January 31st to February 2nd. C4 Wrestling in Ottawa presents Underground happening at the Beyond the Pale Brewery Company. It's already sold out, and if you have your ticket, you'll see Josh Alexander against Junior Benito. Also, the Buffalo Brothers, Kevin Blackwood, and Daniel Garcia facing off against Violence is Forever. On February 1st, Chinlock Wrestling presents Battle at the Brewery 2 at the Spearhead Brewery Company in Kingston, Ontario. For the number one contendership to the Kale Murphy Memorial Championship, Madison Rain faces off against Beautiful Bia. The Kale Murphy Memorial Championship will be on the line with Jesse Mack battling KL Shock. And for the Chinlock Heavyweight Championship, CJ Felony faces off with Sam Hudson. On February 1st, Hamilton Pro Wrestling presents The Next Generation in Hamilton, Ontario. The card is being put together and we'll have more information on that next week. Then, wrapping up the weekend on February 2nd, Northern Wrestling Experience presents Bad Blood in St. Catharines. Chris Lambert faces off against the Canadian bad boy, Tyler Hill. There'll be a triple threat match for the tag team titles as the champions, Beauty and the Brains, Herbert Hancock, and Kyle Boone defend against the factory, Michael Grayson and Rodney Matthews, and the team of Darius King and Jojo Vontavious. Those matches and many more coming up at Northern Wrestling Experience in St. Catharines on February 2nd. This concludes your Ontario Indie Road Trip for this week. And be sure to catch it each and every week on our Facebook and YouTube channels. You hear the rumble in here? The rumble is the sound of progression. And fundamentals are being made at the Wrestling Factory. This is Tyson Dukes. And you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling podcast, y'all. Now let's take a look back at what happened last weekend with Impact Wrestling as they held their first pay-per-view of the year, Hard to Kill. There was a lot of controversy going into the show as Tessa Blanchard had sent a tweet wanting women to unite and support her on this big weekend. A lot of women, including Allison Kay and Chelsea Green, began bringing to light bad behavior by Tessa in the past with bullying other women and spitting on another woman while dropping an M-bomb. Tessa had denied anything happening, but has since made a statement about the allegations. Over the last week, I've been accused of calling a fellow wrestler a racial slur. To read this allegation has been personally upsetting. To be clear, I absolutely did not use that word. That word is not in my vocabulary. That word is not in my heart. Racism is not in my heart. Yet, I know many people have to deal with racism in a way I will never have to. Racism is an awful part of American history, and it's equally awful that it's still part of our society today. While I did not do what was claimed, I 
stand ready to use my platform to support the fight against racism however I can. All of this, though, didn't stop Impact Wrestling from going with their plan for Hard to Kill. Let's look back at the results from the show coming to us from the Bomb Factory in Dallas, Texas. The first match of the night saw Ken Shamrock defeat Madman Fulton by submission. It looked like Fulton had uh, actually had a legit injury with his arm, the way it was uh, positioned. Then Ace Austin defeated Trey in a singles match for the Impact Division Championship, X Division Championship. After the match, Ace Austin went after Trey's mom, trying to hit on her, and Trey went after him, and the fight continued. Taya Valkyrie, with the help of Johnny Bravo, defeated Jordan Grace and ODB in a three-way match to retain the Impact Knockouts Championship. Brian Cage took on Rob Van Dam, who had Katie Forbes in his corner, and that ended in a contest. Rob Van Dam also delivered a Van Terminator with a chair and a coast-to-coast to Brian Cage, and he was taken out. Daga ended up stepping in for the match, and Rob Van Dam ended up defeating Daga in no time. They also had Rob Van Dam's girlfriend's girlfriend, or Rob Van Dam's girlfriend, Jennifer, at ringside uh, with them. So there was a total of three of them together. More on that in a little bit. Eddie Edwards defeated Michael Elgin in a singles match to retain the Collier Shot Trophy. This was probably the best match of the night, to be honest. And, yeah, if you go and watch anything uh, from this event, definitely try and check out the Eddie Edwards and Michael Elgin match. Moose defeated Rhino in a Battle of the World Wildlife Fund uh, Battle of Animals. Uh, it was a no disqualification match. Took about 13 minutes, but Moose uh, picked up the victory over Rhino. Rich Swan had gotten injured earlier in the weekend at the uh, event that they had at a brewery and was not able to team with Willie Mack. And instead of finding a, another partner for Willie Mack to challenge for the tag team titles, Willie went by himself in a handicap match, and of course, the numbers were too much for him, and the North, Ethan Page, and Josh Alexander retained their tag team titles by defeating Willie Mack. And of course, the main event of the evening was Tessa Blanchard finally climbing that mountain, as it was very much telegraphed to do, and she defeated Sammy Callahan in what they're calling an intergender uh, match, but really... Like I said on the last episode, it doesn't need to be intergender. It just needs to be a wrestling match. But she became the first ever woman to hold the Impact World Championship. And this is actually the first woman to hold any title of that sort of distinction. Yes, China did hold the uh, Intercontinental title, but she never got to hold the WWE title. And I believe Eric Young was part of the Knockouts Tag Team Champions with ODB. And, of course, we saw, I think, Harvey Whippleman win the Divas title. But this is the first time that a woman has claimed the top prize of an organization. The show did end almost abruptly. They didn't give her a lot of time to celebrate, at least not on camera. 
Um, there was a little bit of mixed reaction, as I said, because of the allegations that came out earlier in the day. So they kind of uh, went quickly off. But Tessa did have a uh, family by her side in the ring, and she did announce to the fans, made a statement at that time, and she said, Nobody in this life is perfect. We are all human, and it doesn't matter what you say about me. It doesn't matter what you call me. I have one of the strongest minds that I've ever known. So, whenever you come for me, you come for all these people, and I'm now the standard bearer of Impact Wrestling. And man or woman, pound for pound, I am the best in the world, and I am now your world champion. So it'll be interesting to see what Impact Wrestling does going forward with uh, Tessa as the champion, how she will end up defending it, and what goes on from there. Who will ever take it off her, how they'll get it away and move the title uh, forward. Other news that uh, has come up, over the last uh, little bit for Impact Wrestling, was that there was a rumor that Brian Cage has signed a deal to join AEW in the near future. So it's kind of understandable if he does that. Uh, not much left for him to do over in Impact Wrestling, but hopefully they don't just throw him out there on uh, AEW and hoping everybody knows who he is and get lost in the shuffle like a lot of other people unfortunately have over in AEW. Impact Wrestling was also su suspended from their Twitter account, or Twitch account, should I say, after a threesome video aired on this week's edition of Impact Wrestling on Tuesday night. And that, of course, involved Rob Van Dam, Katie Forbes, and her girlfriend, Jennifer. And, yeah... It definitely does not have a place in the wrestling world as far as I'm concerned. This is not the Attitude Era. And when you're trying to get credibility, that's not one way to do it. And they got uh, kicked off of uh, Twitch because of the content. Impact Wrestling also announced that there is no place like home. And TNA will officially return for one night only on Friday, April 3rd as part of WrestleCon. It'll be shown live on the Fight TV app. Now, I kind of have a little bit of a problem with that because, well, the whole RVD thing uh, does kind of fit the whole TNA uh, aspect with the letters and the innuendo that's there. But the problem Impact has had over the last while is getting credibility. And people cannot forget about the crap that TNA offered to people and even though scott demore and everybody involved with uh, tna right now don Callis, have done a lot over the last while to try and improve the image of impact wrestling and they dropped the tna name and are sticking with impact they still have that stench of tna all over them and to not be able to shake it and get people to watch again and revert back to using that for even a one night only. It, it, I'm not sure if it helps the brand much either. Because they didn't uh, set the world on fire either. With uh, Tessa becoming the uh, champion. Because it didn't get a lot of mainstream uh, attention either. 
I know they're thinking about bringing back some legends, which is like uh, ECW one night only did. So we'll have to wait until April 3rd to see what actually happens with that show and if it causes any issues for Impact. But they also have to get back on uh, Twitch, so they have a lot of other things to deal with. And finally, Impact Wrestling had an announcement that Lockdown will be happening live Saturday, March 28th in St. Catherine, sorry, at St. Clair College in Windsor. Reading my notes a little wrong. But Sinclair College in Windsor, Impact Wrestling is doing lockdown. So all the matches are going to be inside a steel cage, and that's happening there. So a lot of options coming up on March 28th, whether you're going to Listowel, Windsor, staying here in London for Death Proof with their uh, bar show at Call the Office. Well, there's tons of uh, action for you to catch. One last note reflecting on Tessa and winning the uh, championship. Booker T made a comment on his uh, podcast about uh, Tessa's win, and he doesn't uh, think it gives any credibility to the title and that it makes the women and men seem weak in uh, the whole organization uh, with Tessa on top of everything because, you know, if she doesn't beat the women, what happens there? But if she's beating out the guys... Yeah, I can kind of see where his point is uh, sleeping on it, but he is also definitely against intergender wrestling, or like I said before, it shouldn't even be called intergender wrestling. It's just wrestling. We all know what's going on with it, and he feels that that those sort of matches are Bush League indie uh, sort of tactics, having uh, men against women. And unless you want to be considered a major player in the wrestling business, you need to ditch that uh, sort of uh, style of match. And so that he basically has no respect for Impact putting the belt on Tessa. I'm not sure if he has anything negative about Tessa. doesn't help that all those rumors of what she said came about at the same time. And I'm not sure if she said her statement, but it's out there. Booker's not a fan of intergender wrestling and women holding men's titles. So that's Impact Wrestling for this week. Tyson Dukes is currently one half of the Smash Wrestling Tag Team Champions and one of the pillars of wrestling in Ontario. He's had a very impressive career over the past two decades, and it's only natural that aspiring wrestlers would want to learn from a veteran of his caliber. Since October of 2017, Tyson opened up the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory here in London, Ontario. Students learn all aspects of wrestling. The first graduates like Jim Strider, Violet Lee, and Jordan James are making their names for themselves on the indie scene. Whether you're a student or a supporter, you can now be a part of the club and purchase your own beautiful zip-up hoodie. They're just $40 up to extra large and $45 for larger sizes. Contact Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory directly on Facebook to order yours today. This week, AEW presented their own version of Bash at the Beach. It happened in Miami on January 15th. Let's check out what happened during that event. It was, of course, hosted by... Excalibur, Tony Schiavone, and Jim Ross. 
with being the broadcast team. The first match of the night was Hangman Page and Kenny Omega taking on Santana and Ortiz and best friends Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta. They were accompanied by Orange Cassidy and the final team was the Young Bucks, Matt and Mick Jackson. The winning team was going to face off against SCU for the tag team titles next week on Dynamite, which is going to be on the Jericho Cruise. The ending saw the Young Bucks going for the uh, Meltzer driver, but Hangman Page ended up tagging himself in. This outraged uh, Matt Jackson as the Bucks had done the majority of the heavy lifting for the uh, final few minutes of the match. And before uh, Matt could give another thought, Page and Omega blasted the uh, Buckshot V-Trigger combo on Trent and picked up the uh, victory. So now they're going to go against SCU next week on Dynamite for the Tag Team Championships. Next up was uh, the American Nightmare Cody coming out to respond to MJF's uh, challenge and all the stipulations if they were going to have a match at Revolution. Cody was out there with AA Arn Anderson. He ended up going over some of the stipulations that Maxwell uh, Jacob Freeman has put out there. And basically his final uh, statement when after running it all down and talking about Wardlow and everything, he said, when it comes to your stipulation of a steel cage, I accept. When it comes to not touching you until revolution, I accept. And when it comes to the 10 lashes live on Dynamite, I accept. And I know what it means to have this match of revolution. It means that I have failed as a mentor, but perhaps I can teach you one final lesson. At revolution, I'm going to give you your own goddamn scar. So the match is going to be set. We're going to see a steel cage match between Wardlow and Cody. And then at revolution, we'll see... Cody taking on MJF. Joey Janela came on the video screen and said that um, Ray Phoenix is going to find out on Dynamite why they call Joey Janela a bad, bad boy. So that's another match that's going to happen on the Jericho Cruise. The Nightmare Collective of Brandy Rhodes and Mel took on Chris Statlander and Hikaru Shida. Luther tried to stop uh, Shida from coming to the ring, but... Uh, she made her way there using her kendo stick on Luther. As for the match, they came near the end as Mel climbed to the top rope. She'd have met her uh, there for a big avalanche suplex. Statlander connected with a standing moonsault press, but Brandy broke it up. Statlander uh, dropped Mel directly on the crown of her head for the victory. The Dark Order had another video. Uh... Which showed that they've been scouting a few people, including Michael Nakazawa, Kenny Omega, Brandon Cutler, and Hamlin Page as potential new recruits. Then the Spanish god, Sammy Guevara, took on John Moxley, with the winner earning a shot to be the number one contender to be determined next week on Dynamite. It was a decent match between Guevara and Moxley, but the ending came when Moxley caught uh, Guevara and made him submit to pick up the victory and now he's one of the number one contenders to go after Chris Jericho and the AEW championship. After Moxley had picked up the victory though, the lights went out and when they came back on, Moxley was being held by Santana, Ortiz, and Jake Hager 
uh, part of the inner circle. And they all beat uh, him down, including Chris Jericho. They, Jericho was whipping him with the belt, so another person getting whipped with a belt, even though we just said that Cody Rhodes is going to get whipped by a belt soon. I digress. Anyways, Jericho then unscrewed a spike from his leather jacket and uh, hit Moxley in the eye with it. Officials quickly came down to take Moxley out of there and assess him, and he got taken back for uh, medical treatment while Chris Jericho raised his arms with the AEW World Championship over his head triumphantly. Jericho was in an interview backstage, and he said that Moxley brought it upon himself because he didn't want to join the inner circle, and so in this case, it's an eye for an eye because he got hit in the head with a bottle of champagne the week before by Moxley, and Jericho promised that next week on the cruise that they're going to do the same thing to Jurassic Express, and that they'll see Moxley next week, even though Moxley won't be able to see them. There was a six-man tag involving the Butcher, the Blade, and MJF, who all had the Bunny and Wardlow by their side, taking on QT Marshall, the Natural Dustin Rhodes, and Diamond Dallas Page. Of course, MJF needed to uh, poke the bear by wearing a shirt that said, I banged DDP's daughter, which didn't go over well with DDP, and they all basically brawled for most of the match. And throughout the match, there was a lot of uh, different cheating tactics being done, including Wardlow giving MJF his diamond ring to Sucker Punch Dustin with, and the referee didn't see that happening. The Bunny and Wardlow also delivered cheap shots to Dustin while he was outside the ring. Yeah, so it was pretty much a five-on-three match. DDP ended up with a hot tag and ended up hitting a Diamond Cutter on the Butcher. Dustin hit a Canadian Destroyer on MJF. And DDP even hit a Cutter on MJF. Then things went crazy on the outside. DDP even jumped off the top rope into the pile outside. And out of nowhere, MJF rolled up QT Marshall, holding his trunks. And JR basically called him a super opportunist. Jen Decker was interviewing SCU about their match next week against Paige and Omega. They got interrupted by a heavily drinking Hangman Page who had to be stopped by Kenny Omega. And yeah, they all just said they look forward to their match next week against each other. The main event saw the bastard Pac taking on Darby Allen. This was actually a pretty decent match, but it didn't last too long because it was near the end of the show. And you always know that it's either going to end in a no contest because they run out of TV time or it's going to be quick and have a pin occur or some sort of definitive finish. And in this case, Pac ended up picking up the victory and still wants to have his rubber match with Kenny Omega. Tony Schiavone got in the ring and tried to interview Pac. Pac said that he need to congratulate the new number one contender, but at the same time, he still needs to face John Moxley next week on the cruise, and that's what Tony reminded him. But who knows how Moxley's going to be feeling by that time, Pac figures, and said that he'll have to forfeit. 
outside the arena. Moxley ended up returning uh, from an ambulance, and his one eye was bandaged up, but he made his way to the ring, and he said, is it going down like that? And he doesn't care if he's blind, that he'll be there next week and go after Pac. So the next episode is going to be this week on the 22nd. And it's part of the ship of Jericho during the Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea Part Deux. And the Jericho Cruise actually has a whole lot of people on it, including a guest of honor in Ric Flair, the... AEW roster. It's also going to be hosted by Gabriel Iglesias. A special uh, cruise director for the ship is going to be Vicky Guerrero. Other special guests appearing this weekend on it include Scott Hall, Booker T, Jake the Snake Roberts, DDP, Eric Bischoff, Conrad Thompson, MVP, Queen Charmel, Chavo Guerrero Jr., Lisa Marie Barden, also known as Victoria. Shaul Guerrero, Ted Irvine, Chris Jericho's uh, dad, and Jack Slade. Plus, there'll be live podcasts done by Chris Jericho, The Wrestling Observer Live, 83 Weeks, Excuse Me with Vicky Guerrero, Beyond the Darkness podcast, and the Hall of Fame with Booker T and Brad Gilmore podcasts. So, Chris... The ship of Jericho has set sail earlier today, or getting ready to, depending on the timing officially, but I do know a couple people who are on there and look forward to hearing their account of what happened on that ship. We'll see what happens. Looking at some quick notes for AEW, though, AEW has been extended into 2023 on TNT after only a few months of being on their uh, station. They'll also be given more TV time, which sounds like they'll be doing AEW Dark moving off of YouTube and onto TNT or one of the other uh, Turner-owned networks. Plus, videos from things like Being the Elite and hopefully some more intro uh, videos for characters will be included in this show. So we'll just have to see what it shapes up to be and when the... I guess third hour on broadcast TV is set to happen. And also for this third straight week, AEW topped over 900,000 fans uh, beating NXT. This week they were in Miami for the bash at the beach. And next week they're going to be part of the Jericho cruise. So they're not going to have the uh, largest crowd for the Jericho cruise, which I'm looking at the website right now. And it's on Norwegian Pearl. I thought it was on a different ship, not the Pearl, but like last time for the Jericho Cruise where it was on Jade, this time it's on Pearl. I've been on both ships. Amazing. I'm looking forward to seeing how they put together this week's uh, edition of Dynamite. Plus, Taz has signed a multi-year deal with AEW. He reportedly or recently filled in for Tony Schiavone on Dynamite because Tony was calling a uh, Alabama game or... Another football game, I guess. Um, he's been on a few episodes of AEW Dark as well, which could be where he's positioned going forward when it moves to its new time slot or, as I said, broadcast positioning. So that's everything for AEW this week.
Hey wrestling fans, join me each and every Friday on our Facebook or YouTube channel for the production line. I stop by the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory and catch the stars of tomorrow being built today here in London. Tyson's been in business for the last two years and we've already seen stars come out of the factory such as Violet Lee, Jim Strider, Alec Realm, Jordan James, The Wavemaker, Kyle Boone, The Smartest Man in Wrestling, Michael Grayson, Cyrus Bowman, Rodney Matthews, and Tyson's own son, Ethan Dukes. Many more of the students of the future are seeing their way to the rings in arenas nearby you. You don't want to miss the production line where you can see the beginnings happening today. On the production line, each and every Friday. Check us out on Facebook or YouTube. This is Jim Strider, live from the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. Taking a quick look at some of the other news happening around the wrestling world before we dive into the results of WWE and what to look forward to for next week, NWA is going to present Hard Times on January 24th from the studio in Atlanta, Georgia. This card is mainly to deal with the tournament to crown the new NWA TV champion. They brought back the old uh, design of the title that most people recognize Arn Anderson for wearing. It will also feature NWA champion Nick Aldis facing off against Ring of Honor star Flip Gordon. Aldis recently uh, invaded Ring of Honor and they collided at that time and Nick Aldis put out the challenge for Flip Gordon to face him at hard times. As for the tournament, the first round will see action from Tim Storm taking on Zane Dawson, and Zane Dawson would be his brother this past week on Power to earn that spot. However, at the same time, there's still three places yet to be determined. Hopefully those get filled this week on Power, and winners of various matches will go against Ricky Starks, Zicky Dice, and the question mark. I'd really love to be able to give my predictions for this show, but at the same time, with not knowing the full brackets for this event, it's hard to do. With that said, Tuesday they should hopefully have everything filled, and we are going to go live, Chris Maloney and I, on Thursday night with our predictions for Hard Times, Worlds Collide, and the Royal Rumble. So we'll have a better idea of what the cards are going to look like. Be sure to join us on Facebook and on YouTube and be a part of it yourself by giving us your predictions. Marty Skrull has signed a huge deal to, to remain with Ring of Honor and stay there. He's also going to be a part of the creative decisions going on and he's only 31 years old and being put in a high power spot with ring of honor however this will also allow him to be part of other organizations and work for people like nwa which he's going to be at the power tapings next week and possibly working with other organizations such as aew and new japan so we'll have to see what's going on with that a photo has surfaced online from the Owen Hart Foundation 
from recent recording of The Dark Side of the Ring that is set to air sometime in the spring on Crave TV here in Canada. These photos are of Owen's family. It will feature his son, Oge, and his widow, Martha. So obviously they're going to be looking at Owen's career and ultimately his uh, passing. And that's the dark side of the uh, ring that they're going to focus on this time. Uh, the first season of Dark Side of the Ring was actually pretty good. They talked about Brody being killed in uh, Puerto Rico. There was also the Montreal Screwjob and a bunch of other topics that were definitely worth looking at. I believe even uh, stuff involving Randy and Elizabeth uh, with their lives and their uh, marriage breakup. So that's uh, to come very soon from the dark side of the ring uh, featuring Owen Hart's uh, story. Then on January 15th, Rocky Johnson, the father of The Rock, had passed away at the age of 75 from an undisclosed illness. Uh, I believe uh, B. Brian Blair had broken the news officially and announced his death. I don't recall seeing anything from The Rock posting about his dad yet which is kind of strange, but um, as we discussed on TNT, I guess they have a strained relationship over uh, various things that happened financially with uh, his dad and himself. In other sad news, unfortunately, the AAA La Parca, not to be confused with the La Parca from WCW, the chairman, uh, he's now known as L.A. Park, passed away this week after complications from a missed suicide dive recently in Mexico. Um, a few months ago, he tried for a suicide dive out of the ring. I guess he missed his uh, opponent, and the way he landed, he ended up uh, basically crunching his head and neck into the uh, barricades, which then they had to come to his aid and medically remove him from the match. He, I guess, had some surgery, but it was up in the air how things were going to go. They thought he was going to turn the corner, but unfortunately that didn't happen. So, at the age of 54, La Parca has passed away. In some WWE news, John Cena was on Extra and said that he's not done with WWE, even though he's uh, mostly been doing some acting. And in another interview, he uh, put over... The Rock for being a pioneer for wrestlers being able to be successful in Hollywood with people such as The Rock himself, John Cena, and Batista, notably being in a lot of movies lately. Um, he also pointed out that, though unfortunately because of him doing movies, some of the insurance things that are included with being an actor do not allow him to do the wrestling, and I guess that's also why The Rock hasn't done much physicality. Uh, as we saw the one year at WrestleMania, all he did was hit a rock bottom on Eric Rowan and got a victory uh, in no time flat that way. That was cleared by whatever insurance, but that is why uh, guys that you see on the big screen are not in the squared circle. PW Insider reported that Undertaker stopped by the uh, Performance Center in Florida to review last uh, episode of NXT with the roster and provide some feedback and advice to the uh, talent that are there. So that would have been probably a special 
event for the people at the performance center having somebody with the knowledge and skill of the undertaker being there to help shape their future it's been announced the new series called fight like a girl will be filming soon it'll have stephanie mcmahon pairing wd superstars with girls dealing with personal issues and the talent will help them through them somehow uh talent scheduled to be a part of the show include becky lynch sasha banks alexa bliss the bella twins nia Jax, natalia Sonya Deville and Charlotte Flair. And there's no uh, date yet for when that's going to officially be released or on what platform. Though it just adds to WWE's global reach of being able to do more things beyond the ring. And that's a very good thing for people in their position to be able to do. It's also been reported that Kalisto and Elias have signed new contracts to stay longer with WWE. Meanwhile, at the same time, um, it's up in the air what's going on with the future for the revival as they get near the end of their official deals, I guess. Um, They've been playing on Twitter saying that they're possibly leaving and needing something else to do. Though I thought at the same time they had a little bit longer than this to go. But I've heard also maybe April they're done. But I thought they had a few more months or years, should I say, on their deal. Who knows? We'll find out, uh, I guess, obviously, within the next uh, few months, what's going to go on with the revival if their contracts truly are up and if they're going to resign or head elsewhere. Hello. Do you or someone you know have a business that you'd love to have advertised here on our podcast? Well, give me a shout at our email address, scumbagswrestling at gmail.com, and let us know how we can help you advertise to the listeners of this podcast. We'll give your business a shout-out, including information on how people can reach out to you and information on your services. Taking a look at everything that happened in WWE, including the results of NXT UK Blackpool Takeover, or Takeover Blackpool 2. The show started off with Eddie Dennis defeating Trent Seven. Kaylee Ray was able to retain her NXT UK Women's Championship in a triple threat match with Tony Storm and Piper Niven. The match of the night, in my opinion, was Tyler Bate taking on Jordan Devlin with Bate going over in that contest, I really wonder what's going to happen with Bate. He can't be in the UK for much longer. Uh, they were able to move Pete Dunne to the US. I'm not sure what the situation with Tyler Bate is, if he wants to be able to move or if they've asked him to move or anything like that. But eventually he's going to have to get out of there or he's going to go stale. Him and probably Trent Seven so they can continue Mustache Mountain together. Plus, if he ended up uh, joining up with Pete Dunne and Trent Seven, they have uh, the British Strong Style faction that could uh, do some work together in regular NXT or eventually on the main roster. In a somewhat rather long and maybe tedious ladder match, 
where they were more going for the spots than the t- actual titles, Gallus retained their tag team championships in a ladder match against other teams that were involved were Imperium, the Grizzled Young Vets, and the team of Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster. The main event saw Walter retain the WD United Kingdom Championship over Joe Coffey. I don't know, Joe Coffey really doesn't do much for me, and I don't think he does much for the audience there. He's not uh, well positioned in a babyface role because Walter definitely wasn't babyface. The fans were kind of uh, taken out of it. But, yeah, with the different interferences that happened, including from um, Ilya Dragunov being involved, Walter was able to pick up the victory. The show ended with Undisputed Era attacking Walter and eliminating Imperium to end the show. They were at the top of the stage uh, posing. The audience went wild just to see the Undisputed Era there and they how they took out Imperium. This is going to lead to next weekend when NXT and NXT UK will be having Worlds Collide event as part of the Royal Rumble weekend on Saturday night on the WWE Network. Normally before some of these major pay-per-views, NXT usually puts on a takeover. But I think because they just recently did takeover Blackpool, they're deciding to combine both NXT and NXT UK to do a Worlds Collide show. Five matches have been scheduled for this event, including Finn Balor facing off against Ilya Dragunov, Rhea Ripley defending the NXT women's title against Tony Storm. Angel Garza is going to put his NXT Cruiserweight title on the line in a fatal four-way match against Jordan Devlin and Travis Banks from the UK and Isaiah Swerve Scott from regular NXT. So two and two from each side in a four-way match for the Cruiserweight title. There's going to be a tag team match involving DIY, Johnny Gargano, and Tommaso Ciampa taking on Mustache Mountain. That match is going to be incredible. I can't wait to see that one, to be honest with you. And the main event is going to be an eight-man tag team match with Imperium taking on the Undisputed Era. So that happens Saturday before the Royal Rumble, and that's going to be on the WWE Network with Worlds Collide. Taking a look at some of the quick results from this past week's WWE shows, Drew McIntyre defeated Randy Orton and AJ Styles. It was supposed to be Randy Orton against Styles' one-on-one match, but after some jaw-jacking between Randy and AJ, Drew decided to interrupt them and made a triple threat, and Drew McIntyre picked up the victory, giving him momentum into the Royal Rumble. Ricochet defeated Mojo Riley in a meh match. Uh, Charlotte Flair defeated Sarah Logan in a Rematch from the match that didn't happen the week before and was just in a brawl. 24-7 champion R-Truth confronted Brock Lesnar. And Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar have been out there boasting about the fact that Brock is going to be number one in the Royal Rumble uh, next weekend. And that's when R-Truth came out and was all happy to declare himself as part of the Royal Rumble match and was willing to throw out Paul Heyman until Paul directed him to the fact that he's not in the Rumble, that Brock is in the Rumble. That's when uh, R-Truth retracted his statement 
And through everything that uh, Truth was saying, he was actually cracking Brock up. So Brock broke character in the ring. And then Brock had enough and took out R-Truth, looked at the 24-7 title, and just dropped it on R-Truth before leaving the ring. Bobby Lashley defeated Rusev in a match. Uh, there was a lot of interference going on with Lana and distraction from Liv Morgan, and that allowed Bobby Lashley to pick up the victory over Rusev. The Raw Tag Team Championships were defended by the Viking Raiders as they had an open challenge and the Singh brothers ended up answering it. It didn't last long. Um, going back to actually uh, the Bobby Lashley and Rusev uh, stuff going on, they got interviewed, Bobby Lashley did backstage, and Lana decided to interject and make a challenge for a mixed tag match between herself and Bobby against Liv and Rusev. Bobby Lashley was not wanting any of this. He thought Lana was crazy. Uh, definitely some dissension already going on uh, beyond when even at the second wedding he told Lana to shut up. So, yeah, there's some issues going on already with this lovely, happy couple. But it was later confirmed that, yes, that match will happen this week on Raw and the mixed tag. Also for next week, we got uh, confirmation, or for tomorrow, should I say, on Raw, we got confirmation that Andrade is going to defend the United States Championship against Rey Mysterio, this time in a ladder match. Um, I've heard rumors that this program is just going on to try and establish uh, Andrade and give time for though Carrillo to come back. And the main fight is going to be between Carrillo and Andrade to establish them as future Latino stars for WWE. Becky Lynch and Asuka signed the contract for their Raw Women's Championship match. Uh, Carrie Sane tried to uh, distract... Becky Lynch a few times, and after the contract was signed, Asuka ended up blowing the green mist directly into Becky's eyes. Becky played it up really well, as though it was like the worst thing ever to be put uh, sprayed. Uh, it was acidic. She was getting medically attended to with trying to flush her eyes out. She got a microphone and basically uh, said that she doesn't care what happens, and she's going to go after Asuka. And it's an interesting situation where the man feels that she doesn't really have the confidence needed to defeat Asuka, it looks like. And then, you know, this is a challenge that she's put out as opposed to somebody challenging the champion because she can't seem to be able to beat Asuka and Asuka beat her last year at the Royal Rumble. Aleister Black and Buddy Murphy stole the show yet again. And instead of doing some 50-50 booking, Aleister Black ended up picking up the victory over Buddy Murphy. Buddy remained at ringside, just kind of in a daze, wondering what he needs to do next. He was, yeah, just inconsolable. He tried to be interviewed and just brushed that off. Eric Rowan came out and defeated a local competitor in no time flat. Yeah, whatever's in the cage, apparently this time bit. The hand that feeds him, Eric Rowan. And so I don't know what the payoff for this thing is ever going to be. Or if it's, yeah, 
it's, it seems ridiculous what's going on. And the main event uh, saw Seth Rollins and the AOP defeating Kevin Owens, Samoa Joe, and Big Show in the first ever WWE sanctioned fist fight. Um, it was at a referee's discretion when it was going to end. And at one point, the AOP, Samoa Joe, and Kevin Owens were fighting at the top of the ramp and the entranceway. And they took out the commentating table and everything. And at one point, Kevin Owens ran uh, really fast and up the side of the wall of the Titantron using the half pipe that they uh, have put there since redesigning the set. And he's basically the first guy who used that as a offensive weapon, uh, not necessarily a weapon, but offensive uh, maneuver. And he uh, was able, especially a guy his size, was able to run up the ball and then he did a uh, swanton off of it into everybody. Unfortunately, AOP ended up taking out Joe and Kevin, returned to help out Seth. Seth was being beat up by Big Show and was needing help. He asked Buddy Murphy for help. Buddy finally snapped out of what he had state that he was in at ringside. And low blowed Big Show to uh, put him down. Seth ended up hitting the curb stomp and the referee called the match. Not really much of a fist fight when the only fist that looked like it was used was Buddy Murphy's to uh, nail Big Show with. But that's how it ended and the show went off with AOP, Seth Rollins, and now Buddy Murphy as a foursome. Over on NXT on Wednesday night, the Undisputed Era attacked Keith Lee. As you know, Keith Lee is the number one contender for the North American Championship that Roderick Strong is holding. The broserweights of Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle defeated Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster in the first round of the Dusty Classic. Tommaso Ciampa had to fight off the Undisputed Era himself and was rescued by Johnny Gargano. The Grizzled Young Veterans came up with possibly a surprise of the whole Dusty Classic by defeating Kushida and Alex Shelley, as uh, longtime wrestling fans know as the, as the Time Splitters. So I don't know what's going to happen with Kushida and Alex Shelley. After this, they did do a whole big hype up for Alex Shelley being there. So hopefully this isn't a one-and-done uh, deal for them. Isaiah Swerve Scott defeated Leo Rush and Tyler Breeze to earn his spot in the uh, Worlds Collide match for the Cruiserweight uh, Championship. And that goes down this Saturday. And Bianca Belair ended up winning a Battle Royal to end off the show to become the NXT Women's Championship uh, number one contender for TakeOver Portland against whoever the champion ends up being at that time. Um, there was a longer exchange between Bianca and Io Shirai, which was uh, really good to see, but Bianca got the best and is moving on. And over on SmackDown this past Friday, the show started off with Kane coming out and talking about the Royal Rumble and hyping it up because he's been in the most Royal Rumbles. He has eliminated the most people over the whole span of his career. And he was interrupted by Bray and the Firefly Funhouse. 
then the lights end up going out and you knew the prey was going to be uh, coming out of somewhere and appearing this time it turned out he was coming out from under the ring but as the lights went out Kane wasn't in the ring when uh, they came back on the fiend was in there by himself Kane turned around and said that it, he was wondering what would take him so long and as the fiend realized what was going on he got hit from behind by Daniel Bryan who proceeded to stomp away on the fiend Bray ended up trying to escape through the hole again smoke came up and when Brian's hands were uh, back up he had locks of Bray's dreads in his hand reminiscent of when Bray ripped the hair out of Daniel Bryan's head Kane and Daniel Bryan ended up celebrating and that's when they went to commercial came back and Daniel Bryan ended up challenging Bray to a strap match at the Royal Rumble in what I've considered somewhat of a waste of talent, because uh, I am somewhat of a John Morrison fan, this whole way that he has been brought into WWE again with being on announced on backstage, appearing on The Bump, first appearance on SmackDown, being at Miz's dressing room, and now this in a one-on-one -on -one match defeating Big E. Kind of a letdown for the fact that he's back in the WWE after eight or nine years, whatever it is, and he could have been used better at either showing up at Survivor Series or being a surprise entrant into the Royal Rumble. So it almost seems as though John Morrison's getting the Shelton Benjamin sort of treatment. Hey, welcome back, but this is all we have for you. Um, the Usos defeated the Revival. The Revival... Um, were interviewed backstage and seemed frustrated with their positioning. But even that interview got interrupted because Lacey Evans was in a brawl with both uh, Sasha Banks, who was down with an apparent ankle injury, and Bailey, who was defending Sasha. It was later announced that Sasha is supposed to go against Lacey Evans for the second week in a row, and if she can't do it, then Bailey's going to have to do it, and that's what the match ended up being, was Lacey Evans against Bailey, was non-title, and Lacey picked up the victory. This is obviously leading to Lacey challenging for the SmackDown Women's Championship, since she now has a victory over the champion. Elias was in the ring and he was about to sing a song he's obviously turned face and is trying to embrace the fans wanting them to clap along and be a part of his uh song but he was interrupted by Sami Zayn, Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro Braun Strowman had to come to the rescue Braun is already looking for his shot at the Intercontinental title not sure when that's going to be made official Alexa Bliss defeated Sonya Deville Sonya wanted to see if Otis would be at ringside since he's so madly in love with Mandy Rose. But in the end, this help of Otis was not a help and Alexa picked up the victory. Roman Reigns ended up defeating Robert Roode in a tables match. Of course, there was some outside interference from Baron Corbin and Dolph Ziggler, a rescue from the Uso twins. And... Now that Roman was able to beat Robert Roode with a spear through the table that was in the propped up in the corner, he was able to establish what their stipulation was going to be for the Royal Rumble in his match against Baron Corbin. He has stated 
He wants a Falls Count Anywhere match. And that leads us to next Sunday, uh, the 26th, from Minute Maid Park in Houston. It'll be the Royal Rumble. And next week, I'll have my predictions for this show, hoping to have the show out earlier in the uh, weekend, before the weekend starts, so that you can hear my predictions and join us. If you want to be a part of the predictions, let me know. Send me a message on Facebook or an email. Um, would love to have extra people involved with this. As far as it goes for the card, we know that there's going to be a men's and women's Royal Rumble with winners receiving a championship match, other choosing at WrestleMania 36 happening in Tampa in April. Um, there's 19 men announced so far with Brock Lesnar being the number one slot by his own choosing. And there's only been four women announced officially so far for the women. So they got a lot of spaces to fill up before next week. Um, as far as the rest of the undercard goes, Shorty G is going to take on Sheamus, Roman Reigns and King Corbin in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Bailey is going to face off against Lacey Evans for the SmackDown women's title. Uh, also, can Becky Lynch finally defeat Asuka to retain the Raw women's title? When she faces off against her, like I said earlier, unfortunately she lost to Oscar last year. Doesn't seem to have the confidence to do it right now, especially with Oscar uh, spewing the mist. And that's where the intrigue comes from. And we now know that Daniel Bryan and the Fiend Bray Wyatt are going to meet for the Universal Championship this time in a strap match. So that's all going down with WWE, and that's. All that's been going on with WD lately. So that's where we stand. And be sure to join me for predictions. Thank you once again for joining me for this edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. I definitely appreciate you being a part of it. And if you'd like to email me with any thoughts, concerns, or want to be part of the show, please do so. I'm available at scumbagswrestling at gmail.com or anytime on Facebook. Be sure to also share this with your other wrestling fans so they can be a part of the podcast too and they can subscribe to us whether it's on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, or iTunes. Next week I'm going to have predictions for the upcoming shows, especially Worlds Collide and the Royal Rumble. Hopefully I'll be able to do hard times, but if not, join Chris Maloney and I Thursday night where we'll run down our predictions for those three shows. And if you're looking for local independent wrestling in your area, be sure to check in on my YouTube show, The Ontario Indie Road Trip. We're spanning all of Ontario and taking you to places where great independent wrestling is happening. Until next week, I hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Granted, I understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night.